Thanks for listening in to our 12th episode. This is our final episode of the season. And I'm looking at my phone and it is 7.07 right now. All right. Yes. have been hitting me hardcore. <laughs> Same. I am Trisha. I am Tabitha. And I'm Sarah. And you again are listening to Moms on High. Um, so we have done 12 amazing episodes. We have got to meet some of the absolute coolest people, Mm -hmm. learn so, so much. We've been able to dive deeper into things, find out things about ourselves, share more with everybody else. And it's been an absolutely amazing season. And, um, we had the honor of wrapping up, um, with our final episode on medical marijuana and the law. And it is actually election day. It is November 3rd right now. Yes. So, and I don't think any of us have like tuned in to check and see what the stats are right now. Zero so amounts of we nothing. <laughs> no idea. No idea what's going on. So we're recording about the law while we're waiting for all of the, <laughs> the election results. Um, so we got to record a former police officer, um, AJ, who we had recorded before on our mm-hmm. past episode with Brandy Williams. Mm-hmm. We got to dive more into all the specifics of the law, if you get pulled over, um, gun laws, mm-hmm. everything like that. And then we also got to um, record with attorney Sonia Martinez, and she is a criminal and family law attorney. Mm-hmm. So she got to dive more into some of the, um, what happens if DCS gets called, dealing with um, marijuana in your custody and divorce cases, and all kinds of other good stuff. Talking to your kids about yes, marijuana. Yes, talking more mm-hmm. to your kids about marijuana. Um, so this is an amazing, amazing episode, and so make sure you guys tune in, and make sure that you are um, liking all of our Facebook, our Instagram, everything else. This is our last episode of this season, but we will be back next year, and we will be rebranding mm-hmm. and coming back even better than ever in 2021. Woo-woo! <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you guys so much for listening in, as we literally realized that we got to record history in 2020. Documented this whole crazy fucking year. <laughs> April through election day. Yes. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. And um, we will talk to everybody soon. Bye. 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 Okay. So we're just going to kind of start with um, an introduction of yourself. AJ, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is AJ Jacobs. I am a Arizona medical marijuana patient. I'm also a prior law enforcement officer here in the state of Arizona uh, from 2006 to 2017 for a state level police agency to be unnamed. Um, and I'm also a military veteran and here I am. So. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you. Yes. AJ and, and Sonia. So I'm Sonia hanging out with AJ again. AJ and I have worked together before on producing educational information for patients primarily and, and maybe soon for just your average person if, if the rec law passes in, in a few hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my <laughs> name is Sonia Martinez and thank you for having me. I am a local attorney. My office is in Mesa. I've been, um, I've had my office for 13 years and I focus my practice on family as well as criminal. Since 2011 though, I've incorporated into my family and criminal practice um, the essentially the Medical Marijuana Act. And so a lot of my clients are marijuana patients. As a matter of fact, just recently at a hearing, um, after the hearing I was talking to opposing counsel and the opposing counsel said something like, yeah, so I, I assume that your client is a marijuana patient just because it's, it's your client. Um, but in reality, I represent a lot of, a lot of clients who are not patients. I myself am also a medical marijuana patient and have been so in Arizona since the law was initiated. I'm also a mother and a grandmother, so could speak to all of those issues and I'm happy to help um, further educate the community about the laws. Yay. That's so incredible. Yes, I only knew a little bit about you, so I'm so excited to hear all that. That's awesome. Thank you. She's also a fabulous attorney and represented me recently, so (laughs) that's a little plug there. (laughs) Good to hear. Yes, and we will absolutely make sure to include all of your information also, so if anybody is interested in reaching out to you, your information will be provided and everything. Nice. So Yes, thank you so, so much. Um, So we have like a giant list of questions. We like... (laughs) When we knew that we were going to be recording with you two, we like automatically were like, we need to come up with a list of questions because there's so many things that like people even come to us and ask us and mm-hmm. we're like, uh, I don't know. Like, and you, yeah, question. you Google it and like you find right. like a whole bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny. I just like on my way here 
got a text message and I look down and um, I see that it's from somebody says that says, um, am I allowed to vote if I have my medical marijuana card? I heard I'm not allowed to vote. <laughs> And wow. I was like, that's a new one. That's a new one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, we kind of figured we would kind of just go down our list of questions. Um, and I know just between your guys' um, different fields, you guys will probably both be able to answer some of them. And maybe one more than the other would be, For sure. be able to jump in. So yeah, do you so, want to start, Tabitha? One of my biggest, working in a dispensary, we always got the driving while impaired or driving while medicated. Um, one question was if I smoke at nighttime and then I get pulled over in the morning having my kids in the car or whatever, could I get in trouble? Like what is the window for being able to medicate and then get in your vehicle? When it comes to impairment, no matter what the substance is, it doesn't matter if it's caffeine, uh, alcohol, uh, illicit drugs, anything like that, it has to, the police officer has to have signs and symptoms of impairment. First and foremost, they have to have a reason to pull you over. A reasonable suspicion that you committed a violation of something. Did you throw a cigarette out the window? Did you, did you have taillights out? You know, is there some mechanical issue? Are you driving poorly or something like that? Okay. Once the traffic stop is initiated and the officer makes contact, that's when the, the officer starts observing the fact that, okay, what's going on in the car? Um, you, you know, are you yelling at your three kids in the back and swerve for a second, you're okay? Or are there other signs and symptoms of impairment? Um, so this is one of these things that gets into the training of an officer and how good an officer is. And it also comes down to individual components of impairment that leads to, you'll hear this term a lot tonight between Sonia and I's totality of the circumstances. Yes. Bloodshot watery eyes means nothing. Um, uh, other signs and symptoms, slurred speech, which, you know, cannabis really doesn't slur your speech. We all know that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, other signs and symptoms that people have, co cognitive function delay, stuff like that, that adds up to, okay, well, this and this and this and this equals impairment. So if the vehicle smells like marijuana, that's that a good is, sign. That is my number one thing that I always tell people. Two things. Stop smoking in your car. Period. And when you do, and I'm sure it's somewhere down along the questions too, but... I do not transport my, my cannabis in the cab of my vehicle. It always goes in the trunk. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm in my truck, it goes in the way back. Way back mm -hmm. or Absolutely the, the a best mm -hmm. practice to keep your marijuana yeah. in your trunk. I mean, every time I go to a dispensary, um, while well, I used to have a trunk trunk, I'd open the trunk, put it in the trunk, mm -hmm. make it very obvious. Now I have a different sort of trunk, but it's still in, in the trunk area because you don't want it within reach. You want to keep it sealed. Um, but yeah. Definitely, definitely keep no. those staples in there. They are yes. legal. Absolutely. Like, the staples are open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're in trouble. Officers well, are, not, are, are not dumb, and they'll see things like the receipt. Yes. <laughs> oh, you bought it 10 minutes ago, and yes. it's now ripped yeah. open, and the chocolate bar is missing? Yeah. Right. Where's this chocolate bar? <laughs> I, just, I see that all the time at the dispensary. The patient will leave, and they'll immediately, as soon as they get out the door, <laughs> sir, you can't do that. Right. Well, and to answer the question of if I smoked last night, Am I going to be impaired today? That all comes down to a person knowing themselves mm -hmm. and knowing. And remember, as this is my personal belief, when you're using it as medication, you know, you smoke a little bit, you use a little bit, eat a little bit, you're not going to be stoned. You're not going to be high if you're using it within the, you mm -hmm. know, the confines of what your medication allowance is. So, but again, it, could somebody be impaired if they smoked last night and woke up at six o'clock in the morning and drove? Yes, it's mm -hmm. possible. But... There's other, again, it's the, it's the totality of the circumstances. What do the officer observe? When you're pulled over, if you do field sobriety tests, which that in and of itself is something that we can discuss as well. But to answer the question is, it's possible. You so know, it's all circumstances. It's all circumstances. It's all circumstances. So I'll echo all his sentiments, everything he said about the, about the stop and ultimately being charged. The difference between being charged and whether or not you ultimately win your trial and, and get it dismissed is a totally different story. Okay. But here's here's the thing, at least for the marijuana DUIs that I've dealt with. First of all, in Arizona, if you are a patient, could you still be charged with the with the DUI? Absolutely, you'll be yes. charged with typically an A1 and an A3. An A1 is basically you're impaired by something, and an A3 is a is a drug impairment, the marijuana. If you have a marijuana card at the time that you are stopped, not afterwards. Yeah. Not yeah. two days afterwards, at the time that you are stopped, you could still be charged if the officer thinks you're impaired. Okay. Again, ultimately, if you are if you win that trial, is going to be up to what is the nanograms per milliliter right. in your blood, which, um, and I'll tell you right now, I just 
for example, I got a call recently um, and the person had been stopped a year ago and it was j just short of the one year mark for, you know, um, charging misdemeanors. But basically it takes a long time for the blood to come back. Um, so a lot of people get charged anywhere between six and 12 months later. A lot of people forget wow. about it. I or it, they, don't, they think it went away. And then a year later, they're like, oh my God, I just got a summons to go to court. And I they're know charged so with. So many people that's happened to. Yeah. They're charged with an A1 and an A3. They're regular DUIs. Typically, it's a regular DUI. Okay. What happens, though, is that at least what I do as the lawyer, once the officer, like AJ, has already you know, ticketed them and charged them, as the lawyer, I then take the case as the defense lawyer, and I figure out what is the nanograms per milliliter, and then I, if I get my own independent expert. So on one particular case, the nanograms per milliliter was something like 13. Um, there's no per se in Arizona, so right. there's no... Like in Colorado, I think it's five. In Rhode Island, I think it's two. Can I can I go off of that real quick? Oh, go for to, it. Yeah, to for clarify sure. what you're saying, it is you are for alcohol for a DUI alcohol. It is presumed that you are under the influence at a point zero eight limit, which is the per se limit. So if you're at a point zero eight, you are impaired. Okay. No, no matter no matter if you're you're gonna lose here, a trial. You're gonna lose a trial <laughs> no matter what. It might be all the way drop down all the way to the impaired to the slightest degree, the A one, but. As far as uh, marijuana goes, cannabis goes, there is no per se limit. So that's where the officer's observations come from. And so it's not at five nanograms you're, you're impaired or 10, 13 milligrams you're impaired. We, we don't know yet. The science isn't out there yet. Okay. That's not right. yeah. what hasn't been explained. So I apologize for interrupting. No, not interrupting. Actually, that, that's, a, that's, that, that's a perfect example of, of what the nanograms mean. And so... Essentially, for example, I had a case of 13 nanograms, which to kind of what at least science is supposedly saying, even though there's no real science because every metabolism is different. Mm -hmm. um, it's a high number, okay? Mm -hmm. Right? Because a prosecutor thinks, well, shoot, Colorado uses five, Rhode Island uses mm -hmm. two, 13? Shit, this one was higher than a kite. Well, mm -hmm. our, our expert actually also did other cannabinoid testing, and the expert ultimately said something like, you know, your, your, your client actually uses weed like regular basis, like multiple times a day, huh? Mm -hmm. Yep. So that 13 number, if you will, although may be high for someone who's never used or mm -hmm. a, a new user was not a, a number that was high for a user who uses multiple several times a day. Mm -hmm. But again, totality of circumstances. So on that case, I think we got a, a plea deal to instead of a DUI, it was a reckless driving, which is a good thing in the sense you want to stay away from DUIs because if you get, if you're unlucky enough to get a second one within mm -hmm. a short amount of time or a third within seven years, you're doing years in prison mm -hmm. in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Arizona three D three DUIs, you're doing eight nine years in prison. No joke. <laughs> and what are the current laws in Arizona right now with DUIs? It's it's the point zero eight limit for alcohol. Okay. There's what, A1, A2, A3, is there, there's super extreme DUI, extreme DUI. And yeah, so and, extreme DUI and super extreme. And, um, and DUI drugs is, the is, A3. is just DUI drugs. It's, a re yeah, it's, like a re it's kind of considered a regular DUI, so what you're going to do is you're going to do that it is, it is regular to get a deal of 10 days in jail, nine are suspended, and you do one. So typically mm -hmm. people do the one day in jail. But if there's other circumstances, if you get in a car accident, if mm -hmm. you hurt somebody, mm -hmm. anything else involving, if it's not just regular impairment, there's other things involved, a kid's in the car, oh, that's mm -hmm. automatically a felony. Mm -hmm. So um, for marijuana patients, you got your kid in the car who's under age 15 and you're driving. And what is the, the do you know, AJ, the time that <laughs> for felony DUIs? Four months four, DOC. It's four months in prison. Wow. Not jail. Wow. You do, it could be your first time felony wow. DUI. And you don't do, you don't go to one day in tent city or whatever it is. You do four months in Arizona Department of Corrections prison. So for patients, I generally recommend do not take your child under 15 to a dispensary with you because you're likely to be pulled over right after a dispensary. If you have your kid with you, I mean, if you have to have your kid, it, it is what it is. But I, it's not a best practice. Leave your kid at home if you're going to and from a dispensary. That's scary. For sure. Like, I see us all looking but, over. Yeah. But it's, it, it is, but it's not in the sense that if you are safe and responsible, mm -hmm. yes. like AJ said, know yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, as we know for those who use it, it's not like alcohol where you can't really tell if you're, yeah. you're, you're drunk or not. Right. I know when I'm too impaired to drive. Mm -hmm. I will not drive. You know, recently I had to drop my daughter off somewhere I did, and I said, by the way, I'm not picking you up because <laughs> by the time you want to be picked up, I am going to be... Too medicated. And too yeah. medicated. I'm yeah. not driving. That's yeah. The one thing I'll, I'll add on to this, too, is that when an officer makes a traffic stop and observes signs and symptoms, the officer has to make a call at that point in time. 
is you're going to get the person out and do and ask them to do field sobriety tests, which everybody should understand too, that roadside field sobriety tests are not mandatory. You do not have to do them. Okay. Now this is the part where the tr my training comes into the fact where many people will simply because they don't assert their rights, but. There's, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I hope Sonia knows what I'm about to say or talk about. There is a particular Arizona case that states, okay, just because you, you exercise your rights and you chose not to do this field's right test, that actually works against you in mm -hmm. trial. And I can't remember what the court case was. Basically, yeah. Right. Um, there's a presumption that the, the test would not have been in your favor. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. There you go. And so that's when the officer has to make a determination. Are they going to do field side tests or not? If they do field side tests, what is the officer, has the officer observed enough to mount to probable cause to affect an arrest for DUI? And then there's a whole process that happens after mm -hmm. the arrest. Then also, when you signed for your Arizona driver's license, you stated that you will submit to a chemical test of the officer's choosing if arrested for suspect, suspicion of DUI. So that's what you submit to. You don't have to submit to all the other jazz necessarily, although again, if you don't, then it may be bad although there in terms of marijuana there is no correlation between field sobriety test and impairment as respects marijuana at least that's kind of what the the the, the numbers and science show but ultimately again it's not an issue if you're safe and responsible. If you're if you're loaded, you just took a bunch of dabs and you drive away and you get pulled over. Come on, mm -hmm. come right. on, an officer is not stupid. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're gonna probably be charged with right. marijuana DUI. Right. You're, you know, your car's gone for thirty days. It yep. is what it is. So as long as you're as a patient, safe and responsible, most people are, that are patients are you know to some degree not impaired, if you will, but under the influence yeah. of their marijuana, but yeah. they're not necessarily impaired. Mm -hmm. And an officer who's stopping them for a traffic violation isn't going to, through the totality of circumstances, deem they're impaired and therefore they won't be charged. So it's not that scary, okay. if you will. It, it's, so, it, go ahead. Sorry. Yesterday, for example, say I was a police officer. I'm at a stoplight, I look over, and I see this gentleman with his pen. And he hits his pen, and he blows it out, and he's you know goes on about his day. Could you arrest or pull him over for that? Would you? Is that something? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't use it in a public space. Okay. And now there's there's differences. And while driving. And while driving. <laughs> okay. So so now let's say you it's don't. So carefree. Right. You don't know if it's a jewel. You don't know if it's yeah. a, you know a, a vape pen or whatever the case is. That's reasonable suspicion. Okay. That's reasonable suspicion for an officer to affect a traffic stop to find out what's going on. Now if he walks up to the car, say he he's like, oh, I, I thought I smelled weed. But it's a jewel, mm -hmm. you know. Then the officer sends you on your way. There are good. There is something in law enforcement called good faith. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the officer, right? It's which that has its ups and its downs. But at the same time, yes, you you can't do that while driving. You can't do it when you're out in a public place. And then your vehicle is considered a, an extension of, of your home to an extent. But when you have the windows rolled down and you're blowing it out, mm -hmm. you are now blowing it out in the public public realm. Okay. And um, we know for those of us who use cartridges, I don't use many, but some of them definitely smell like weed. Others oh, do yes. not. Yes. And others do not. And then officers, you know, like I said, could could pull you over and even if he's wrong, it is what it is. So just mm -hmm. be safe and responsible. Don't drive when you're don't you know, don't consume when you're driving. Yeah. Now wait till you get home. It's medication. Come mm -hmm. on, it's medication. It's, that, that's yeah. the number one thing. For the ones that are medical marijuana patients, it is medication. Mm -hmm. And I sure. and I treat mm -hmm. it absolutely as mm -hmm. medication. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, and always my thing is, I don't want impaired drivers out on the road. Yeah. I don't. No. So, yeah. I'm, if they're impaired and they're out driving and they get caught, that's, that's your fault. So. Road's already scary enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> With people staring at their phones. Yes. And everything else. <laughs> okay. So, what, so I know you guys gave the advice of putting your medication in, in the back trunk. And I'm like thinking, okay, like. I'm not always able to put it in the back trunk because if I were to put it, and I'm a single mom, so I do usually have a kid with me when I go to the dispensary, but I love the idea of putting it in the back away from everything to keep it safer. But um, with the way my back works, if I were to put it in the back and I had an extra kid back there, he'd be able to get into it also. <laughs> so like if, for instance, I got pulled over and I had my medication still closed up or whatever in the front, like would you recommend us like telling the officer right away, hey, there's cannabis here like or do you recommend not saying anything at all like I'm gonna let the lawyer I'm gonna defer to the lawyer on this one <laughs> I, I love it so you know it depends on uh, so great question what if you're what if the only place you could put it farther away from you is also where your kid sits yeah, yeah. Don't put your weed close to your kids yes. so just use best judgment and if your best judgment is under the front seat then that's where mm -hmm. it's gonna be right okay. um, if that's the, the best place um, an officer I mean AJ you're the one who, who stopped people 
unless you thought that you needed to ask more questions, do you, I, I don't think it's smart to voluntarily, hey, I have weed in the car. No, if a cop stops me and says, give me your license, registration, and insurance, here you go, yeah. go, you go. go run my number, there you, go. you kind of come back and give me a ticket, awesome. I'm not gonna all of a sudden volunteer, I have weed, my medical marijuana. Oh, absolutely not. Okay. No. Okay. That's, no. that's a solid But if he asks, I'm gonna be honest, and, and, and say, yes, I, I do have, you do smell marijuana, it is my medical marijuana. Um, it, it is in the trunk. I just purchased it half an hour ago. Okay. Um, As a medical marijuana patient, you are required by law to have your medical marijuana card on you mm -hmm. if you have your cannabis on you. And also, there's an Arizona Supreme Court case that states, again, you're just going to the dispensary to get your, to get your medicine. Nothing, nothing mm -hmm. else nefarious. Officer pulls you over, does the license registration insurance, smells cannabis, and you hand them their car, the, your medical marijuana card. That, it, the presumption is... There is no law being broken okay. as long as there's no other indicators of criminal activity. Okay, you smell weed, all right, you give your card, you've got your ounce, you got your two ounces, your two and a half ounces, you're at the legal limit, okay, fine. But that's where it should end. The problem comes in from the, I always have the caveat of there are people that do get their medical marijuana card to cover their criminal behavior. Mm -hmm. So let's say you, you got five, you have five pounds in the trunk, but you've got your little two and a half ounces in the baggie just to, to satisfy the police officer, but you have other indicia of a criminal activity. You have baggies, scales, all that stuff. The officer could go further. Okay. Like, you know what, this isn't really adding up here, mm -hmm. and that could lead to the officer possibly searching the car. So, okay. possibly yeah. non-consensually. That, that actually reminds me of a sentencing on a, here's what ultimately it means. If you don't comply with the Medical Marijuana Act, none of the protections apply there so you could be charged with the felony I, I have a case right now where the guy you know took a little puff puff at the mm -hmm. uh the, the baseball game in the smoking section and <laughs> gets charged with felony Jeez. possession because uh, and he was a patient but it, the, 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 it, it, it all went away so again it, it's just a matter of being safe and responsible um with your use kind of all around and you ultimately be fine but if 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 the protection if if you don't comply again all the protections go away so you know just be careful be safe the, the number one thing that people do is they run their mouths and they get themselves in mm -hmm. trouble so as sony had stated don't offer up say as little as possible mm -hmm. be nice be friendly say as little as possible yeah exactly um but going back to what he was saying um about covering up it reminds me of a sentencing i had where the it was basically the person was on the black market selling on the black market sold to an undercover officer and we go to sentencing and i basically say this is a non-compliance with the medical marijuana case the judge literally almost threw me out of court he was like this is a, not a non-compliance case are you kidding me this is abusing the law to commit more crimes and i mean he just yelled at me then he started yelling at my client so um ultimately we, you know got a, a a good deal and you know got out of there but i remember thinking you know, judges really still, a lot of judges are still of the mindset. Plus, you know, they, they don't appreciate when, like you say, uh, they try to, people try to use, utilize the law to commit other crimes. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. they want to free the weed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Speaking of freeing the weed, <laughs> we could be freeing the weed tonight. Yeah. So, recreational is on the ballot. What, if it passes, what changes? Like, do you have any idea how the law will change? I know that taxes are going to change on it, but will medical patients and caregivers and rec patients have different laws that they have to abide by? I'll start off and just say my understanding of what I've read from the, the, the act is the changes is that now you're not going to have to be a medical marijuana patient in order to possess mm -hmm. your personal use of marijuana. Mm -hmm. There are a, a host of issues wrong with this initiative, but the one thing it does do, it protects the regular safe and responsible use of the personal possession of marijuana for your average consumer. Your average consumer... Um, and most medical patients are not your average consumer. Most medical patients consume a little bit more than your any kind of average consumer. If you know people who really don't yeah. smoke, oh, I smoke twice a month. Right. Or you know, that's you, you know, or right. the person who smokes once a week. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who really don't use it on any sort of regular basis, mm -hmm. but will still want to use it for social activity, mm -hmm. for so different things like that. Um, and so it's going to protect that. It's not going to protect any anything larger than an ounce, for example. Right. It's not going to... There's a rule that talks about expungement, that they would expunge all 
basically your basic possession cases, mm -hmm. not sales cases, not oh, large right, amount right, cases, right. nothing. Someone gets pulled over with yeah, a little bit on. We're talking about the regular possession Personal cases. Possession. And That's good to know. For the, yeah. for the most part. What people need to understand, though, is that a lot of these p p possession, personal possession cases, a lot of them are just personal possession, but there's a lot of them go hand in hand with other crimes. It was not just, oh, I just had an ounce of weed on me. It was, oh, I had an ounce of weed. I had four pounds of, of cocaine. I had three guns and a <laughs> documented immigrant in the back. <laughs> so, I've, I've, had that. I've, I've had that scenario before. So that's, that's not out of the realm of, of life. Were you on that case? Not for that particular oh, one, but I've, I've had very, very similar cases like that. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's it, it, it in a nutshell, what it, it's going to do. Okay. I mean, there's going to be taxes that go to, the, what, the county colleges, mm -hmm. AJ? Yes, the, not the K-12s, but the community colleges. A lot of people are, are miffed at the uh, it, that law enforcement's going to get more funding. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll just come out and say that I, I'm completely against defunding the police. I'm against that 100%. I want better cops, not less cops. And the only way you're going to get better cops is with better training, better funding, better everything, better standards. And if we defund, then we're not going to have that. But mm -hmm. that's just my my personal take sense. on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And you mentioned you mentioned um, in your scenario that actually really happened. There was a gun in the car. So can you explain <laughs> the gun question? Can you have a medical card and a gun? So at where? the same time. Where you, where, what location are that, you referring to? That's a good Can you own a pers personal if it's in your home, you know? Like, is your home on state land or by chance on federal <laughs> land? And that's where you're <laughs> going to get those. Uh, okay. going to be the or reservation. The, the are you going on a res with it? So many loopholes. I know. The number one thing you have to remember is that no matter what, cannabis is illegal federally. No matter what. Mm -hmm. So no matter what the states do, no matter how lenient the states are or anything like that, mm -hmm. federal can, part of the term Trump, state law in that regard okay. so it depends as Sonia stating where are you pulled over who were you pulled over not necessarily pulled over contacted who were you contacted by you know were you on federal land were you on state land were, were you in your home were you in tribal land so right. in a nutshell though in Arizona there is no Arizona state law that prohibits a medical marijuana patient from using a gun for owning a gun there is no law that that will prohibit a rec user from owning a gun under state law. So if your local state trooper, you know, has pulls you over your medical marijuana patient, just by chance during the search, you also have a gun in the car. There is no violation of state law that the trooper is going to charge you with. Okay. Okay. But if, if, um, you are on the reservation and you're a non-native and you're on the reservation with your weed and your gun, they will be calling very likely, depending on how much they'll probably be calling the feds and you could be charged federally um some reservations have contracts with the state and the state offers the prosecution so if you're non-native if you're native like like me i'm very careful as a native american i don't and i do a lot of work on reservations and i think i told you aj i never take my weed on reservations because i'm a tribal member who actually could be prosecuted tribally by the tribe but for my my medical marijuana if i'm on the reservation i tell my indian clients that are live on reservations that they should not if they are medical marijuana patients number one they probably shouldn't have a read unless they're from tonto apache in payson the only tribe that recognizes arizona's medical marijuana act but natives mm -hmm. shouldn't have the guns in, in weed your local your average person in arizona unless they're going on federal land and, and shooting out there and have their weed on them at the same time they're not going to be stopped by the feds correct so they're not going to be charged under the gun control act okay. i would say though unless you're on blm land unless you're yeah you're less you're somewhere where a federal officer mm -hmm. even tonto national forest mm -hmm. that's you can so have that's a, when you're when you're when you're hiking and camping so sometimes people do they are on federal land yes that's there's a case going through the courts right now wow. regarding that but you're let's let's you know, for the majority of people that live in Tucson, the Phoenix Valley, mm -hmm. or the Flagstaff, obviously there's a lot of reservations up by Flagstaff, mm -hmm. even here in Phoenix also. But there is no conflict statewide having your having your weed and having your guns together. And I actually just got confirmed. I called a few buddies of mine that are still active out there working, and I said, "So, who's charged somebody stateside with having your guns?" And he says, "No, we we all know that now. We all know it's federal." So I said, okay, so who's been the one to call the federal agents? He's like, we don't do that unless it's a serious case now. Mm -hmm. So wow. so if the serious, word, yeah. It, yeah, the word is, now let's, yeah. The They're serious, crossing state lines and correct, all that sort of stuff. Correct. Okay. So yeah, but regardless of what people may think, and again, 
you're not a prohibited possessor with your weapon if you have your weed and you're within city limits or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. You're, you're perfectly within your rights. Yeah, but so, you, you technically are a pro- prohibited possessor under federal law. The under gun, federal the, law. The Gun Control mm-hmm. Act makes it very clear that if you use marijuana, including medical marijuana, you are considered a pr- prohibited possessor under federal law. Under federal law. Okay. Yes, and you could be charged with prohibited possessor under federal law, and that is no joke in sentencing. And wow. the, the, there's also, again, it doesn't happen very often. Your your typical police officer uh, that you get called for domestic violence or traffic stop, whatever the case is, um, they're not going to be on a federal task force and have federal powers that could potentially mm-hmm. do it. However, there are cases where you will have a city of Mesa cop or a temp police officer or a state trooper or whatever on a federal task force that now has federal authority and federal powers. So and there's again, many of those in the valley. Uh, many, the the many, reservations many, many, many. are on major task force with the FBI Absolutely. and the state. Oh yeah, Salt Rivers with with Salt Scottsdale, Mesa, and the FBI. Yep. They all work together. Okay. <laughs> I was ter- I had to call the police one time for a mental health call, and I was terrified to make that call because there was marijuana and a gun in the house, and I think you could probably smell the marijuana when sure. they walked in too. I was terrified, and they asked right away, and so I did tell them, but they didn't do anything. So then I was kind of like. Am I going to get in trouble? Like, and I kind of just like sat waiting. Like, it was probably close to a year that I kind of was like, are they going to like come back? And like, I don't know if somebody's going to knock on the door and be like, um, so I heard you have weed and a gun in your house. I don't know. But let me say though, too, that if you are in a vehicle and you have your weed and you have a gun with you, um, you are required. That is one of the questions that you are required to answer. If a, you you do not have to answer any question that a police officer sure. asks you. You have to. You are required to provide your license, registration, insurance, and your medical marijuana card. That's it. That's the okay. only questions you're to answer. Except for one more, which is, do you have, do a, you have a weapon in the car? Yep. Mm-hmm. You must answer that question. You are lawfully. You are to answer that question. And yep. if you do have a weapon in your car, the as a former police officer. It brings the whole traffic situation down. If when you walk up to if the officer walks up to the car, you say, "Officer, I have a weapon in the vehicle. Keep your hands on the steering wheel and just let them know." And that automatically brings the officer down. It it does. So I, I like I always said, I I didn't care if somebody told me they had a gun. I cared about the ones who didn't tell me they mm-hmm. had a gun. That's yeah. Was a, yeah. No. That makes sense. <laughs> Seriously. Good one. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um. Okay. So. Let's say you are hosting a party and you have your card and there are people there who are smoking who do not. Um, somebody calls the police, who would get in trouble and what would happen in that case? We're touching all bases, right? <laughs> right? Um, who would get in trouble? Definitely the non-patients. Okay. If we're talking about, you know, pre-207 passing if it passes. <laughs> um, so the, the, the person obviously that is a non-patient, you know, that doesn't have a license would probably, you know, get ticketed as the, unless you are the one furnishing and providing, or if police believe that there's indicia that you're furnishing or providing the weed yourself, then you could definitely get in trouble for basically, it's not called sales, but under the law, it's the sales, it's called the sales, furnishing or providing or selling falls under the same stuff. Um, not okay, basically. Mm-hmm. So if, if there's evidence of that, like if you, for example, have a party and at the front door the cops walk in and they see there's a bowl of joints and there's a bunch of people that are uh, not not patients, yeah, you could, yeah, you're probably gonna get in trouble for furnishing marijuana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Unless mm-hmm. those those fine people stand up and say, no, nope, that's mine. I didn't get it from them. So which has happened. Mm-hmm. I have had people mm-hmm. st- stand up and because they. Something like that also. Take, let's let's go. The majority of my policing was traffic enforcement, so I did homicide investigation. So a lot of my stuff is related to traffic enforcement, and also eighty percent of people are going to have law enforcement contacts from traffic violations. Mm-hmm. So let's say you four people are riding in a car, only one is a patient, and three are smoking. Well, everybody could potentially get in trouble unless somebody steps up and says, "No, it's my weed. You know, it's all mine. It takes mm-hmm. it and takes it." But at the same time, everybody could potentially be charged. So if you're over the legal limit, if you're, you know, if you have non-patients that are smoking or in the vehicle or anything like that, so it's the totality of the circumstances, basically. So again, the cop would have to observe everything, yes. figure out everything, and, and see who's doing what. Again, so take the house party thing. You know, two cops show up to a house because there's a noise complaint. One goes around back, to, you know, to monitor everything. Somebody comes to the front door and says, "Oh yeah, I, I'm the only one." You know, I'm, oh sorry, we'll turn the music down. And I'm the only one that's here smoking, and I and I have a medical marijuana card. Here we go. And while that officer's talking to somebody's front door, they see, you know, bong rips in the back. 
Well, guess what? <laughs> now they have potentially reasonable suspicion or probable mm-hmm. cause to enter into the house for illicit activity and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I don't know about you, but at least when I used to party, the the, the naughty stuff happened in rooms. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, not, it was yeah. the, the back room. You, you, you know what I mean? So... Um, I generally recommend, because there are a lot of parties that our, our medical marijuana industry is definitely a lively yeah. crowd. They're, mm-hmm. um, they're um, you know, and then they appreciate, you know, being out. And so if you are the person hosting a party where you know there's going to be marijuana, you should probably make that party very small, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. small to the select few that you know are actual patients, mm-hmm. making it very clear that non-patients are, are not at all invited. You just, again, want to be smart um, about it, smart and safe, because ultimately you just never know what's going to happen. You get this non-patient to get high, leaves your house, slams mm-hmm. someone's mm-hmm. car. Shit. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Yep. So it looks like a bartender giving someone too much to drink. That's Dram shop. Damn. Right. Okay. Wow. 100%. You don't want to be, well, you don't wanna be that person. Nope. No. <laughs> this is going to change everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Playing by the book. And I mean, and the thing is, though, too, is I mean, you still can't have a good time. You know what I mean? You still can't have a good time. You still can't party a little bit. Sonia and I are very much on the same page, though, at least we were before. You will not catch me at an event Mm -hmm. where everybody's smoking. You just won't. You won't catch me at one of those big events. You won't catch me doing anything like that. I don't need, want my face mm-hmm. to be represented in that way or anything like that. I think they're awesome. I think the, the, the crowd is awesome. I love the people. Mm-hmm. I love the companies. But it's just not something that I'm willing to subject myself to. You have your boundaries, as, as, as do I. And we, we all have different lives, different life experiences, and people right. have different boundaries depending on their life and their lifestyles. And that's all fair and, and respectable. As a lawyer, I definitely am, 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 am proud to say I'm a patient. I have no problem saying that. But at the same time, I, I don't show myself dabbing or mm-hmm. post videos of myself dabbing yeah. or go to these uh, parties where you see me, uh, you know, you know, showing any real signs of impairment because people expect... You know, and that that's out. Don't get me wrong. Get get me on a night home, night <laughs> night. I have crossed eyes. You're, yes. you're not going to recognize me, but uh, <laughs> it's in the privacy of your own home. Yes, yes. No, that makes Same. a lot of sense. I've gone to one of those parties, and there are joints all over the table, and it got busted. We ended up running down the stairs. It was not fun. Now, I am not a lawyer, so I cannot give advice, but. If that were my situation, I was in that, I would not say a single word. So I didn't. We just took, like, everyone else went to the elevator, and we went from the penthouse down the stairs. Yes. No shoes. Like, let's get out of here now. Shut the F up. Yep. Just go. <laughs> I, I am a huge fan. I've mentioned these guys before. And have you ever heard of the Pop Brothers at Law? Yeah. I follow them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They're out of California. I've actually had dialogue with them. They have Shut the F Up Fridays. They have a whole... I, I, I have nothing to do with them, but I do appreciate and I like what they, they talk about. And they talk about, look, assert your rights, but be respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. shut the F up doesn't mean to tell the cop to shut the F up. It means, <laughs> it means to say, officer, I respect you. I respect your job. However, I'm just not going to discuss my day. You know, and then, yeah. look, anytime you, not, you don't talk, the police officer is going to be upset. Mm-hmm. They're going yeah. to say, you're not cooperating. And it's all part of the tactics and stuff like that. But... I, I feel my heart beating fast yeah. already. I'm like, oh my god, buckle. As a, as a That's officer, awesome. I had no problem if people asserted their rights. I had no problem. I was like, okay, all right, have a good day. You know, or whatever. Maybe, maybe I need to detain you, or whatever the case is. But I cannot guarantee that other police officers are going to. I've had really bad Yes, unfortunately, there's some yes. really good ones too, and some very, and very I'll bad be, ones. And I'll be 100 percent transparent and say there are. Times I can look back and say, I treated that person like garbage Mm -hmm. because maybe I was having a bad day. I didn't live up to my expectations. And, you know, that's on me and I apologize for that. But I I tried not to have that as my total mentality throughout the day. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily bad and doing wrong things, but just have have a bad attitude. Yeah. That's that's pretty common. I think the biggest thing that I've realized with police officers is the lack of training in the mental health field. Oh, 100%. That almost every experience that I've had with a police officer, like in my home or whatever, was because of a mental health call. And it's... I feel like I've got PTSD alone just from dealing. No <laughs> offense in saying this, but how many of those officers need to go through mental health things themselves? Well, how many, <laughs> AJ, did you did you have mandatory training? Towards the end of my career, 
they started talking about mental health training. So 2014, 2015, it started getting incorporated a little bit. Now, the other thing is, though, is I also was a SWAT team crisis negotiator. So I went had many, many more hours of dealing with crisis and mm-hmm. people in crisis and all that. But your, your typical normal police officer out working mm-hmm. the beat no. gets very minimal because it's not part of, there's an overriding authority called Arizona Post Peace Officer Standard Training. And they are the overriding authority that says, okay, what training is mandatory? Okay, as long as departments meet this minimum training, they're good. They don't mm-hmm. have to do anything else. So it's incumbent upon the departments to get more training. And I will say, I do know that Phoenix PD a few years ago started incorporating crisis intervention teams. I don't know what their specific acronym is or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's essentially they're starting to train officers for healthcare, for mental That's health good. stuff. Mesa too, I believe. I, yeah, I've noticed not, Mesa. Mesa's Mesa. a lot better than Pinal County. <laughs> Pinal County <laughs> was not not happy, but it seems like Mesa. They, they, it was every single time it was a mental health call. It was, they, they had sent multiple, like a whole team and not just gotcha. the police officers. Pinal yeah. County's busy being pretty, yeah. right? Sheriff Lamb, he's just busy being pretty. <laughs> oh. I, I will say this for you. He is pretty. He is pretty. <laughs> I, I live in Pinal County as well, so. I do too. Um, I, I will say this though, on that mental health aspect though, I don't think law enforcement should be involved in mental health calls for the majority of the calls. But unfortunately, there's nothing else at the moment. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those things where if you start defunding the police even more, you're going to have even less training. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I'll tell you right now, you're not going to send a social worker into a mental health call. Because... One of the most violent situations that an officer walks into are mental health yes. calls yeah. because it's so volatile. You may be familiar with that person that's in crisis and you know that person's not going to hurt you, but that person might be triggered by something that the police officer doesn't know that they did. Mm-hmm. And the one, the one thing for, I, I dealt, uh, being a former, uh, uh, being a military, former military member as well, and I would have a lot of conversations with veterans. I did not have, I did not go to combat, I do not have combat PTSD, so I can't speak on that. But I've had conversations with PTSD, combat PTSD people, and says, how can we help you? And they said the number one thing is turn off the dang lights, Mm -hmm. the red and blue flashing strobe lights. Like, that's the number Mm -hmm. one thing. Mm -hmm. So, but I had to go above and beyond and and seek that information out on my own. So there's just, there's so much to train law enforcement to do. And mental health just isn't a priority right now. It's becoming a priority. It's getting up there a little bit. But it's not the standard. As the world is shifting and changing, and mental health is starting to become a bigger deal. They're kind of having to do more training. They have to this year. And I think they are also realizing that they need the additional training because they're like, well, shit. And then they're realizing, okay, I know they're, because then they have this everybody, hey, they're not going to hurt them, all that sort of stuff. And But realistically, unless you're a registered therapeutic patient who has as part of their service, ongoing service plan, rapid crisis intervention no you're getting a cop going going to your house you're not getting crisis intervention i've had that on some foster kid cases but those are high need high needs kids who i mean you basically need to be smashing your head through windows to get a crisis intervention response Mm -hmm. team available to you um so you're you're definitely you're definitely right and the real the reality is um it, it runs across all spectrums, um, all different types of groups of people, including in medical marijuana, certain groups of medical marijuana patients. Some medical marijuana patients are using medical marijuana instead of mm-hmm. mental health uh, drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of my pregnancy cases, um, a lot of these um, pregnant women are talking about, well, I'm just using my medical marijuana instead of the mental health, uh, X, Y, and Z, and you know, Trying to choose safer alternatives, mm-hmm. but at the same time, then legally getting in trouble. I know that's not the question, but that just reminds no, me. No, but that's, that's kind of going to lead us. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of where Sorry. we're getting that. Is, so that we wanted to piggyback into that because that was another question that mm-hmm. we got a lot. And even myself, I have four children. My first three, I used you know what the doctor said, and I did what I was supposed to. And my last one, I used my cannabis. And I was very fortunate in that situation, but not a lot of people are. And so what happens when you use cannabis during pregnancy and your baby gets tested and CPS is called or? So for the most part, if cannabis and cannabis only is the issue and you're a medical marijuana patient, they will initially investigate, CPS will initially investigate, they will likely not take the child, they'll just investigate, be in your life, ask you a bunch of questions, interview a couple of people. And then ultimately about three or four months later, you get a letter saying that 
Um, you will be placed on the central registry for neglect of a child, and then they're going to define that intrauterine exposure of marijuana, um, despite being a patient, is um, considered neglect under Arizona law, and you'll be placed on the central registry for 25 years, which basically limits your ability to get a level one fingerprint clearance card. You could always appeal and get fall under an exception. You can't with which work with children or the elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you can't work for a dispensary because you need a level one fingerprint yeah. clearance card, right? Um, so it's that. Um, I have in terms of the cases, women will hire me when they get that letter. What I do is we file the appeal, and the appeal goes to the Office of Administrative Courts. I have won every single hearing in the Office of Administrative Courts, but DCS, the way it works, DCS has the right to overrule that court order of us winning. That's what DCS has done. There is one case where we're pending a decision, uh, an appeal of that, in in the, what they call the, the LR case. The LR case is on appeal in Superior Court, so that's my case. We will, we'll get a decision soon. Nice. So we'll know at least on the Superior Court level, Mm -hmm. not an appellate court level, but at least on the Superior Court, what Superior Court judges think of this law because basically DCS's position right now, check this out, AJ, is that the Medical Marijuana Act does not apply to DCS in these cases. Like somehow they, somehow they were just above. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And basically, wow. Yeah, that that is. (laughs) I have heard too, this is, I do have a connection inside of DCS um, that I have spoken to. And the problem is also is that it depends on who your case manager is. And I know of somebody who their child is very, very ill and they've tried everything and they said, screw it, I'm gonna give them marijuana. And then DC, I don't, I don't know, if, I can't remember recall the specifics how DCS was called, DCS came and investigated and it was like, there's really no other alternative for this kid. So mm-hmm. they actually just like kind of closed the case. But then there's mm-hmm. other cases where they take it all the way. So, and you end up losing your kid trying to help. It's very possible. And on the cases that, and the case that that's always possible. You make the wrong one, but but again, you know, again, if it's marijuana only, which typically it is, then there's no issue. But a lot of times, kind of like in the criminal context, mm-hmm. and this is just true. I'm not. I'm just telling you how mm-hmm. the the cases come in. A lot of times, it's not just marijuana. A lot of times it's, oh, and husband's also a sex offender and like okay. other weird, just other things or prior DCS cases. Oh, I've, my, I've had rights to my other two children terminated and you're like, oh, wow. okay. you know, there's, there's, so there's those flags. There, there's there's other, that. there's other things, but the straight marijuana cases, just marijuana will go up and, 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 and at this point DCS is putting you on central registry for that, but we're kind of in a pellet stage and quite frankly, it was funny when I took the first case. Then they were saying, hey, this is the first case anyone's ever appealed. Um, I remember the DCS lawyer was saying, we really don't know what the law is, so we're, we're interested in finding out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a way to find out what the law says. Welcome to Take it a try. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, right? Basically, trial and error and trial. That's basically it, Aaron. That's basically it. So, wow. That's where we're at right now. I'll definitely let you all know Yeah. Um, when we get a, the Superior Court decision see what the judge says. That should honestly be any day, any week now. Okay. See what the judge says. Cool. If the Arizona Medical Marijuana Act, in fact, applies and how it applies. What What's really, how, to, how it really works with the pregnancy case. I'm really interested so, to know that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. same here. We, ha- we have a lot of listeners, too that have mm-hmm. used during their pregnancies and it's always been that it's kind of a terrifying thing too and like um, I had a, a disease while I was pregnant that made me very very sick that it was like a lot of medications that were made me in the hospital or my pregnancy that I used cannabis for I, that was my first pregnancy I didn't spend any time in the hospital so it's mm-hmm. yeah it's it's incredible how much it's helped but it is scary knowing that you're putting yourself mm-hmm. and your entire family at risk trying to choose a medication that you know is actually helping you and yeah the problem is is that I will I think that the majority of medical marijuana patients do educate themselves on marijuana and it's not the big scary mm-hmm. propaganda mm-hmm. and you know the reefer madness and even though you can stand up and say but nobody's died there's still mm-hmm. laws that we have to abide by and it ruins your life if you don't abide mm-hmm. by them unfortunately yeah, yeah. so and then you got to call sonia and just spend money and smack some judges into understanding <laughs> what the law is right um okay can we do like one more i think and then we'll probably wrap up um so this is so fun by the way Thank, Thank you so much for yeah. We're having a ton of fun. Thank you I so much. I'm a guest, so I love it. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> Sorry. Um. No. No. Thank you guys. Seriously. 
Um, okay, so we're kind of trying to, maybe this is going to end up being maybe more than one question, but um, okay, so if you're going through custody divorce and marijuana is coming up being an issue at all, um, as an attorney, how do you suggest somebody goes about that? How do you protect yourself and your kids? Um, well, a couple of things. When I have a client who calls me, the client will typically tell me that they're a marijuana patient. Now, um, in a lot of cases, it never comes an issue. In a lot of cases, either the other parent doesn't know, so it's not an issue, or it's just not an issue. Okay. But in a lot of cases, and those are obviously the cases, the cases I take where it's high conflict and there's an allegation of substance abuse, I get my, my client to produce their medical marijuana card, um, their valid med medical marijuana card, just to use as part of the case. Mm -hmm. Because finally, I think, in my opinion, finally, in Arizona, at least in Maricopa County, the judges now get the Medical Marijuana Act. They're now putting the Medical Marijuana Act in decisions and citing the law. And I'm like, yay! That's good. Go, yeah! yeah. Superior court? Goodness gracious. Finally, 2020. <laughs> before, before that, because I would put it in pretrial statements and all that, and we just weren't getting it. So you, and for custody cases, it will absolutely protect you in a custody case if it's brought up. Assuming, because the, the law is clear, well, not clear, but the the verbiage is clear, unless you create an unreasonable danger, an unreasonable harm of, uh, unreasonable harm. And and what does that mean? I mean, AJ could tell you about uh, maybe cases he's worked on where the drugs, it, it's one thing to have drugs and use drugs, it's a whole nother thing to um, use them or to possess them in an unreasonably dangerous way. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. just off the top of my head, one of the things I think of is um, people who, parents who dab and they have blow torches. Um, right. <laughs> make Ooh. sure you put your blow torch away and not, not anywhere near your three or four year old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, age appropriate, you look at what your kids ages and, you know, just kind of make those age appropriate, uh, distinctions and decisions. But wouldn't it be fair to say that people, AJ could use marijuana, parents could use marijuana in an unreasonably dangerous way sometimes. In an unreasonably dangerous way, absolutely. Mm -hmm. They could be driving. They're, mm -hmm. Again, going back to the driving thing, again, yeah, blow torches. And I mean, we all know that a child is not going to die if they ingest marijuana or anybody. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, you got a 250 milligram cookie sitting there. Or in your fridge. Or in your yeah. fridge. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's going to piss the judge mm -hmm. off. That's, that's going to upset mm -hmm. a judge. And you know, the kid's going to get sick. You might have to do an emergency room run and mm -hmm. stuff like that, you know. And but, ultimately, the kid will be fine, but it'll piss a judge mm -hmm. off. It'll, it'll make any judge take your kid from you, for yeah. sure, if you leave it out. Yeah. And the thing out. about that is, too, is that, again, even though the science says this, that doesn't matter. It matters what the law says. It matters. And it is irresponsible mm -hmm. to leave it out where a kid could mm -hmm. get it. Because it's medication. Think mm -hmm. if that was a Xanax. Exactly. Or yeah. It was yeah. It's medication. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. And it's expensive. Right? I'll share that with you. <laughs> um, so I, I also just tell my, give my clients just some basic practical advice, best practices. Um, like, like AJ was saying, you know, maybe don't have pictures of yourself or go out or put them on social media because I'll, I'll have that as evidence all day. Exhibit one. Yeah. <laughs> Father dabbing. Yeah. Exhibit two, his dab rig. Very dirty, by the way. <laughs> very, very dirty. It's disgusting. Oh, God. Fun. I've actually had that. I told that to a client. I'm like, are you kidding me? Did you ever clean this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's just wrong in, in and of itself. So You're hurting yourself. practices. You know, try to keep things away. Don't have children have access to it. Non-exposure. And try not to have a bunch of pipes and bongs. Right. I mean, some people want to collect, but... And if you're a parent with minor children, just be mm -hmm. try not to have eight bongs on your freaking mm -hmm. kitchen table. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, sounds silly, but I've also seen it. So, and <laughs> and I keep buying all my stuffs locked up. Mm -hmm. All my stuffs locked up in a separate room. I do have three kids. Um, two of them are special needs, and but I also have two that are older that are able to. You know, two plus two is four. But two <laughs> are special needs. No, one of them, one of them is special needs and older and able to understand as well. Like, hey, you know, don't that, don't touch that and stuff like that. Yeah. So and understands, you know, that that's not for them mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We set our kids' bedroom door and put it on our closet so that we can lock it mm -hmm. from the inside. So when we're gone, we can lock it mm -hmm. and then just unlock it. We have everything up on the closet shelf. Mm -hmm. Nice. So they can't touch anything. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's yeah. perfect. And then when it when it's time, you have your age appropriate conversations mm -hmm. with, right. with the kids. As yeah. they're smaller, it's one thing. As they get bigger, it's another. And as they get even bigger and older teens, it's going to be another. So try mm -hmm. to have your age appropriate conversations, just as you would with 
you know, anything else. You don't have to make it a big deal at the same yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be making, hey, kid, where are my Zemanax now? <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, but if you're going to keep a brownie in the fridge, you, you better figure out how to market, how to keep it, mm-hmm. you know, and make it clear, you know, just age appropriate. I feel like most of our kids know if we say something is medicine. Yeah, okay. they, they know it's medicine. Too. It's mm-hmm. like, but I feel like most of our kids, they've kind of grown up around it for, for a couple of, for my younger kids, I don't think that they really know any different than mom goes to the medicine store and she gets her medicine that goes up. You don't touch it. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. kind of is life. My son saw a CBD Perfect. thing this morning. It was just CBD. And he's like, CBD, what is that? <laughs> well, it's kind of, you know, and I broke it down for him. And he was like, oh. And I was like, you know, it's still medicine, though. You still don't take right. it without me mm-hmm. knowing. Like, it's not going to do anything to you, per se. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, okay. Take, <laughs> that, go to... take that mystique away. Of that. Right. Know. Exactly. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, like, I feel like with all of us, like, we've really made it a point for it to not be, like, this big taboo right. thing. Because mm-hmm. then we feel like our kids, is, mm-hmm. our kids are going to be way more curious yeah. then. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and that's, that's really all, all that's so We have to figure out a way to normalize it mm-hmm. and to, and, and for it to be socially acceptable, but we also have to remember, we have to be socially acceptable. There's a way to push boundaries mm-hmm. in society. There's a way to do things. Yeah. I mean, society and political science tells us society moves slowly when it comes to things. And I'm telling you, I know AJ could speak what he sees in law enforcement, but I see in the courts, we're still very conservative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could mm-hmm. rah, rah, free the weed all day long, get in front of a judge and say that your ass will be thrown in jail. <laughs> no, <laughs> but there's, so we, let's, let's normalize it as we're right. doing, and, and, and we are, and judges are getting That's why I said they, judges are finally putting it in. In, in order for we're, mm-hmm. we're getting we're getting maybe we're getting brick weed. I don't know anybody looking at the stats. <laughs> no, 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 not yet. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So um, times are changing. That's for sure. They are. It, it is law enforcement though is still now again. I I always say with caveat that I've been out of it for a couple of years, but I do still have very good friends that run it. I get updates all the time. It's they're they're looking at weed as medicine and understand and starting to understand it, mm-hmm. but. That doesn't change the individual officer's perception who's been a cop for 20 years mm-hmm. and has been, been fed nothing but the bad propaganda and been fed nothing but that, you know, stoners and dopers yeah. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change that. Even though mm-hmm. they get trained that, that this is the law, it doesn't change their personal, actual, their personal right, standpoint. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Their personal bias against it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There, there are police officers that absolutely hate it. And one of my best friends who I love to death, her and I, she, she says, well, most, excuse <coughs> me. Come out of nowhere, sorry. She said, Well, most most card holders just get it to hide their illegal activity. I was like, Time out. No, no, no. But that's her reality mm-hmm. where she that's works. She's that's what she works with the yeah. worst gangbangers in the state of Arizona, and that's what she sees. Mm-hmm. So me and her, it she understands it now and kind of sees it and gets it. So it's just about perspective. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what her perspective is. Yeah, about. but let's let's normalize it as we do within our families, mm-hmm. but also in our social circles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I think I was at a, a, a bank and it's been months, but I remember recently being at a bank and the teller said, so what have you been doing today? And I said, um, I've been making medica- different medicated olive oils. And she's like, medicated as in marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> yes, marijuana, but I said it so just kind of freely, nonchalantly, not making it a big deal, just yeah. like I've been making cherry right. cake all day. <laughs> I was proud of those olive oils. They had some good. That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, good. Like good. Pistachio, Parmesan, all sorts of different oh, ones. You can dang. Cool. Just saying. How I even have been with my daughter's teachers. Oh, well, what do you do? Oh, I work in a dispensary. Mm -hmm. My daughter's like, can't you say you work in a pharmacy? (laughs) No, that takes school and science. (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Can't you say you work in a pharmacy? I I will say that. It, it's it's I've said this before is that if we're gonna be good patients, we have to be good stewards of the law. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be. It, it's again, you you don't see people running around with Percocet bottles. You know, say, woo, I got my Percocet bottle and prescription and all that good stuff. But a lot of medical marijuana patients, and I and I, I run an Instagram. I I don't show myself using mm-hmm. on Instagram, but I do do kind of reviews. You know, talk about stuff like that and show what I'm using and all that. But I'm not. I don't feel as though it's necessary to be jumping up and down and, you know, you know, putting it out there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Fill, fill in the holes for me. But it's, I look at it as medicine. We need to be responsible with it. If we're going to change, if we're going to win anybody over, you've got to be responsible. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I love those people, though, too. I the, do, too. The, the big cannabis dude. Totally get I it. I love the big cannabis. Totally get it. Love that shit. I love that shit. But, yeah, let's just, uh, then that's what we said, just 
um, you know, safe and responsible. Mm -hmm. The safe and responsible use, you know, gets us a long way because it gets our neighbors and it gets our friends and it gets yes. police to understand. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, and I've, I've said this before, and I've been, I remember at a convention, I remember at a convention of lawyers, and I made, said, made that comment in front of 150 lawyers, <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, the, the, the next marijuana patient could be your doctor, your lawyer, and I remember, I remember some of the lawyers looking at me like, <laughs> bitch, <laughs> no, no, and I'm like, yes, yes. That's fantastic. That's great. I love it. All right, well, thank you guys so, so much for coming on. This was absolutely a great episode, and this is, so this important. is our our last episode of our season yes. so this is for the rest of the year you guys got to finish off yes. so right on yeah fun and on election day I know. how and perfect we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> thanks, yes. thanks for having me maybe thank next season much. we'll yeah. talk about the updates yeah yes. i was gonna say what's happening everything every question that you asked today could be expanded on for hours yes oh yeah, yeah. so there's so much nuance it's not this generalization when it comes to the law mm -hmm. is is not the best practice it's nuanced there's you know, okay, this situation, but that mm -hmm. situation, it's all mm -hmm. different. Yeah, so, sure. thank Thanks. you very much for having yes. us on. Thank yes, you, thank you guys thank you so guys. much. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for listening in with us all 12 of these amazing episodes. It truly has been one of the best years, and we cannot wait to dive into more next year. It's pretty cool that we did realize that we started recording on 4-20-2020 of this year, and our last episode is on election night, November 3rd of 2020, where we are asking for Prop 207, the recreational marijuana, um, to see if that goes through. So we truly are making history, so thank you so much for listening right all alongside us while marijuana is becoming legalized everywhere. Bye ladies. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next season.